Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus declares before his departure and his return to heaven. He says, but you will receive power. Power. Somebody in the chat put power. Come on, power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And look at what he's empowering you to do. You know, because many of us, when we hear this, we think about him giving us power so that we can do what we just did to run around and things of this nature. And, you know, we often will just, you know, make power or, or limit it to just a charismatic experience. When in actuality, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. My witnesses. Somebody say witnesses in the chat. Come on. We are witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the purpose is for witnessing. Can you bring, can you bring my bag for me right there real quick uh, in, the, in, the, in there? There's something in there I, I, wanted, to, I, I wanted to grab out and, and use for today. As we get prepared for prayer... As we get prepared for prayer, I want you to, to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes for prayer as we jump in on today. God, I am so thankful for this preaching opportunity. I'm thankful for the worship that has gone forth so far. I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to lift you on high. Even in the midst of our situations, you are still good and you are working all things together for our good. And so I pray, Lord God, in this moment that you would bless us. Lord, not just that you would bless us, that you would bless every church in this city that is preaching your gospel. Lord, I pray that you would touch lives, that you would impact lives. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just continue to do a mighty work in, your, in this city and around the world. All of the churches that are out there right now are not our competition. They are our co-laborers. And so we ask that you move mightily on their, in their experiences as well. Thank you so much, God, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, I want to jump in on today. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I just honor. In fact, can you guys just go ahead in the, in the chat and put some clapping emojis for our band, for our musicians and our worship team? I mean, these guys just rocked the house on today, fam. You got to watch this back when it's over and go take that in again. Uh, they absolutely were rocking the house and we're so grateful for them. Listen, so uh, I've got this uh, little, I forgot what they call this thing. What do they call these things again? A what, sorry? A, a who? A cog? A fob. Okay, is that what they call it? Oh, wow. So they call these fobs, right? And I got this here in my hand, and this is something that, uh, this doesn't belong to me. This actually belongs to one of our dream teamers uh, by the name of Laura. And Laura is someone who actually has been a part of Serve City for from before we even got started. So she'd been here like five years. You know, she was in the very, very, very beginning. And I'll never forget, you know, we used to have a secondary location uh, aside from the movie theater that we rented. And that uh, that secondary location, we were there one day. It was freezing, kind of similar to it is, how it is now. You know how winters can get here in Toronto. Uh, you know, well, for those of you who are watching from the West Indies, we are very jelly right now, fam. We wish we could be having some of that sunshine. I know I talk to all my friends in Barbados all the time, and they're always talking about how they wish they could have what we have. Want a crazy, right? Uh, but not, you, you should keep what you have. But nonetheless, it gets really cold here, right? Um, nonetheless, we were in the 
in our secondary location that we had. And Laura, I'll never forget, we were there. We were all looking through the window um, at her car. And, and I don't know, I, don't, I think we got into a conversation. I, I don't remember if it was me that asked her or if, you know, she just made the statement and said, hey, I wonder what this button does. I know all, and obviously the one for unlock, unlocks, the one that closes the car, closes the car, you know, the one that opens the trunk, you know, I know what that is. But there's this, and I, the panic one, obviously we know what panic means. Uh, but there's this one here, and I have no clue, and I've pressed it, and it doesn't do anything. And so we're looking at this, and, and in that moment, in that moment, I, I grabbed it, and um, either myself or herself, it was so long ago, I don't remember if it was her or if it was me. But one of us, we, it said a times two, and we're like, what if you press it twice and see what happens? And in that moment, she presses the, presses the, the, the uh, fob, the, the, the times two twice, and the car starts. And so in that moment, she is literally losing her mind. We are all like freaking out like little kids, like what on earth? This is so dope because this whole time on this fob, right, that she had, she had no clue. You know, she was going to go outside. She was going to scrape the, you know, the going to end up scraping the stuff off the car and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, and having to wait and then turn it on and sit in there and all of this waiting for the car. You know, this morning, man, I was driving to church and it was absolutely insane. I'm driving and, and every two seconds I'm spraying water on the windshield, spraying water on the windshield. I mean, have you ever been in such a rush you had to go someplace and the windshield would not defrost and you had to like, you know, scrape just a little hole? <laughs> And you're driving there trying to look through the hole, trying to wind down the window, see if you can see if someone's next to you. You know, the window won't wind down. You're sitting there. You know what I'm talking about. You're sitting there punching the window like, Lord, please don't let this thing shatter. Please don't let this thing break. Just trying to get the, the ice to loosen up so you can, you know. But there's, see, see, it is insane. Uh, now I got a car starter. I'm excited about the car starter I have. Uh, their names are Gabriel and Noah. Amen. And so... <laughs> So although uh, my bank account has not yet gotten to the place where I'm going to buy uh, a where I'm going to buy a, a car a car uh, what do you call it a, a car starter at this point uh, you know I'm not going to install a car starter in my 2000 Honda Accord uh, but my my car starters amen <laughs> they are faithful to go out 15 minutes in advance or so and get that thing you know uh, warmed up praise the Lord uh, you know they get an allowance so it, it, it works out in there uh, but nonetheless it's insane because you know she found out that she had something on there that there was more to her car than she even understood oh can I just set this thing up she thought that she would have to go out and do all that stuff but 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 we found out through a conversation that day Found out through a conversation that there was actually more to her vehicle, had, had more of a capacity, had more uh, accoutrements, if you will. Things that were extra, that were on top, that were offered to be able to make her experience with the vehicle more enjoyable. Uh, come on, come on, come on, somebody. And see, the fact of the matter is, I want you to note this, because when Jesus, where are you going with this thing, preacher? Uh, the fact is that in the book of Acts, we find uh, that this is the inception of the church as we know it today. 
And what is powerful about this is because this is on the backdrop of Jesus' resurrection and he's getting ready to go. You're wondering what does this have to do with this in living color series? What does this have to do with anything? Well, I want you to note this. This is happening all on the backdrop of not just Jesus' uh, resurrection from death and his ascension back to heaven, uh, but also it's happening on the backdrop of the birth of the church, the church's birthday, and something called Pentecost. Can I just te teach for a moment? In fact, in a few months, in a couple months, we are going to be, we are going to be uh, experiencing the timeline around this Pentecost thing that I'm getting ready to tell you about. In fact, if you can in the chat, go ahead and put Pentecost. Pentecost. It's spelled P-E-N-T-E-C-O-S-T. Pentecost. And this is the Greek for uh, the 50th part of a thing. The 50th part of a thing. Can I just teach for a moment? And so 50th part of a thing, it's actually 50 days after Passover. And we see this thing happening in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's also known as the Feast of Weeks. Uh, so Pentecost is this idea where the Holy Spirit, this is when, uh, although this is a historic celebration uh, of, of, of the, 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 the fact of the matter is, this was one of those things where one of three pilgrimage feasts where every adult male was required to present themselves. And this is in uh, the Jewish context. And then it was also known as Shavuot. Everybody say Shavuot. And this is spelt S, this is a Hebrew word, S-H-A-V-U-O-T. I'm going somewhere, but I want to uh, teach you to give some context of what's happening when Jesus declares the scripture that I shared with you to open up. This is what's happening around it. So it, it, is, the, it is when the Hebrews celebrate the giving of the law, the, the Ten Commandments at Sinai. So this is the idea. This is this idea of Pentecost, this 50th part of a thing, this celebration uh, that is made clear, that is made clear that they were as Jews supposed to do. So this is why they are gathering. And around this time is when Jesus makes this declaration. He says that you he says to, to wait here and you will receive power one more time say power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me. Now this is powerful because this at Pentecost is when God chose sovereignly to pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Now, mind you, at a celebration where they come together to celebrate the giving of the law, we find, we find that God decides to pour out his spirit. Oh, are you with me on this morning? This is some powerful stuff because I want you to understand the contrast of what transpired because this is a contrast in the giving of the law versus the giving of the Holy Spirit. The law, the law according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 through 12, it calls it a ministry of death because all it did was present consequences and not only this but things that were instructed for the people of God during that time to do but it did not give them any empowerment and so it's a ministry of death because it presents consequences but gives no empowerment it presents laws but gives no empowerment but I love this because this is juxtaposed against the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when it is that the church is coming to life 
Oh, who's with me? Who's with me? I want you to see this. Uh, this is very powerful. There's something that's noteworthy, Pastor Michelle. Uh, this one is for you. Look, if you will, uh, don't turn here for the sake of time. But in Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, verse 28, we find that in the giving of the law, 3,000 people, 3,000 people died. Just so you see the contrast. In the giving of the law, 3,000 people died. Uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, that in the giving of the Holy Spirit, we find in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, after the Holy Spirit pours out, come on somebody, and people hear the gospel after the Holy Spirit pours out, that 3,000 people, somebody in the chat put 3,000 people, 3,000 people came to life. 3,000 people were saved in that moment. And so this is a powerful thing because we see a powerful contrast uh, that in the giving of the law, there was death. But in the giving of the spirit, there is life. What a powerful contrast. Are you still with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. And, and so, so the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit is life-giving and it's liberating. Look at this. So there, there's this. And God chooses on this day at Pentecost. This is the day that he decides to pour out his life giving spirit. I love it. I love it. I'm going somewhere. Uh, and this is the thing. This is the church's birthday. This is when the church begins. This is when the church as we know it as I said earlier is being poured out. And right before this is being uh, brought to life if you will. And as I shared in the inception uh, the verse verse 80 says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon you and you will be my witnesses and then he goes on and he lists what he does but can I submit to you that on the church's birthday it is clear it is clear that they got a birthday present that they did not fully understand the magnanimity of it Ah, uh, my, my, my. Uh, can we just talk about in living color on today? Uh, that, 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 that it's just like one of those birthday presents that you get, uh, but you don't understand the fullness of it. You know, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget, and I share this story often, and I just love bragging on my wife because she's amazing. For my birthday a few years ago, she invited me. Uh, she told me that she had in, uh, that she opened an opportunity for me to go see my favorite musician on planet Earth, uh, Corey Henry. And Corey Henry is uh, in my my opinion i would say the greatest hammond organ player uh, i would say especially in a in a jazz and in a church and a gospel context uh on earth at this point and she got us tickets to go to rochester and not only did i go i was just excited about being able to go and see him because it was impossible prior to that for me to be able to go and see him because he would never be near enough. But it was amazing that my wife not only ends up getting us tickets to the Corey Henry concert, but when I go there, I end up, because I don't have time to tell the whole story today, I end up going backstage, I get VIP access, and I talk with him one-on-one -on -one with just one other person uh, for about half an hour before the show starts. I am losing it like a be like a high school girl at a Beyonce concert because I did not realize when I thought I was just going to see Corey Henry there was more there was more come on come on in case you haven't realized what I'm preaching today but wait there's more 
there was more to it than I understand. Oh, this preacher's been uh, pent up in me in a few minutes for a few weeks. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump on the preach bus and I invite you to come with me. There was more than I knew I was getting. It wasn't until I got there that I realized that there was more that there that's attached to it. Come on. Somebody in the chat put, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. And just like with this fob that we realized that there was a car starter on it. Come on. Just like with this concert that I'm sharing, that there's more. The fact of the matter is uh, that I did not understand it, but I was not mad. Laura wasn't mad when she found out that her car, that her father had a car starter. She wasn't mad. I wasn't mad when I found out, when I found out that there was more to the Corey Henry concert than I understood. I wasn't mad because it just meant that I got extra. It just meant that there was that there was something bigger, that there was something that would that would make things a whole lot better. Come on, I want you to track with me. I'm just trying to set this thing up. And so the fact of the matter is that this is the same thing that we find when it is that the Holy Spirit is pouring out. When the Holy Spirit is pouring out. I want you to understand this. And I, you know, the 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 the, the Bible declares and makes clear in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit pours out and 3,000 people, 3,000 Jews got saved. Somebody say 3,000 Jews. 3,000 Jews got saved. And the Apostle Peter, he declares in Acts chapter 2 verse 14 through 17. That's Acts chapter 2 verse 14 through 17. He says, this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. That the days were coming in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and 29. That the days were coming when the Holy Spirit would pour out on all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. And that your sons and your daughters would prophesy. And that your family members that generationally there would be dreams and vision. That the Holy Spirit would pour out one more time say on all flesh. And the fact of the matter is, Peter declares when he sees this happening in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And the Bible says they begin to speak in other tongues. They speak in tongues that are known, uh, but they are not tongues that were known to them. And they all hear each other when the Holy Spirit uh, falls out, uh, falls on them. They're all hearing them uh, themselves speaking in each other's languages as they've come from all over in order to celebrate this Pentecost feast. But can I help you to understand that although this was a part of the fulfillment, it was not the fulfillment in its totality. First of all, let's note this, that it was 3,000 Jews that were saved. In fact, the Bible makes it clear in Acts chapter 2 that it was three, that 3,000, it was Jews that were coming. It was Jews that were coming. Somebody say it's Jews that were coming. And so it was Jews that were coming from all over. In verse 5, note it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from, uh, from every nation under heaven. So all of the people who were there were Jews, although they were coming from all of these different places. But yet and still, Peter declares, this is what was prophesied. And can I tell you, Peter and the disciples, they did not understand Although Jesus had declared it to them, although he said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that you would receive power to be witnesses and not just in Jerusalem but then also in Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. They did not understand that when they, when they heard this all they heard was Jew. Oh, can I break it down for somebody? When they heard this, when they got the 
commission in Matthew chapter 28. I want you to understand this. Verse 19 and 20. When Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Can I let you know and understand that when they heard all the world, they heard you? Can I tell you that this is the case because it was not until Acts chapter 10 when Peter is there and he is on his roof and he has a revelation and a vision. I don't have the time. Write down Acts chapter 10, if you will. Acts chapter 10. And then in Acts chapter 10, uh, he has this vision uh, where God is instructing him in essence to interact with things that he thought were unclean, which represented people that that he thought were not were outside of the saving power of God uh, and he has this dream and then God instructs him to go to the house of a Gentile person which was somebody that was not a Jew and he's like God you want me to do this and he goes to this person who is from the Italian band uh, by the name of Cornelius and he goes there and the Bible makes it clear if you read that whole chapter in Acts chapter 10 that the Holy Spirit pours out there at Cornelius's house and they are rejoicing they end up baptizing them Gentiles and he celebrates because he says wow I didn't realize, but now God is granting repentance and salvation to people who are not Jews. But didn't he say in Acts chapter 2 that this was the fulfillment of what God had promised? Go into the world, you will receive power. He, the perspective that they had was one that was around Jews. Because the Messiah came through Jews, they thought that it was just Jews that were to be able to experience repentance and the salvific power of the Lord. And so this gift that was poured out in Acts chapter 2, they did not understand. Come on somebody. They didn't understand that there was more on the fob than they, than they recognized. They didn't understand that there was more to the party. They thought it was just a Jewish party. They thought that, you know, when these people come in from, as long as they have the same type of a DNA and background as me, come on somebody, then they can come to the party. But the fact of the matter is that when God was saying that they are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he was not just talking about Jews. He was also talking about the people and the things that they thought were unclean and that they previously had to be separated from. When God was pouring out his spirit on all flesh, it wasn't just Jewish flesh from everywhere, but it also included Gentile people too. Oh, I want you to get this. I want you to see we still talking about in living color. Uh, they didn't understand the magnitude, the magnanimity of the goodness of God that was going to be demonstrated. You know that the thing is that, there's, that there are often people in our lives when it comes to ministry, when it comes to race and relationships. And this goes on both sides. There are many of us who think that our experience, come on, and our revelation of God is where it stops. We think that that is the extent of it. 
and you know the fact is if I can just tell you even in church history since we're talking about this do you know what can black Canadians had to go through and immigrants to even be able to be a recognized Christian body in the nation of Canada do you know the people and the sacrifices that were made in order for people to even have worship the way that we do and we run away trying to be and act like everybody else it meant so much it means so much for me as a black man to be up here preaching the gospel can I talk about it today in the way that I am without the level of persecution that my forefathers experienced on this same soil because there were many people even as it pertained to languages Many of the church fathers uh, that were individuals that were in a Greco-Roman context, if I could just uh, speak historically for a second, they thought that uh, the tongues of uh, people from the African diaspora, that they were barbarian tongues, and they would often attempt to, uh, they wouldn't consider what was being shared by them as being legitimate. Because they didn't sound like them, because they didn't look like them, because and so they wanted to, they wanted to essentially uh, get to the place where they would turn everything into the way that it looked. And so the fact of the matter is that when we're talking about in living color and we're talking about race and relationships, uh, because then now on the flip side, there are many of us that think in our uh, African experience that our way of doing it is the only way that to do it. And so we feel like the, that other people uh, that may be a little more refined or a little more reserved rather in their approach uh, that they that their experience is better than somebody else's experience. And the fact of the matter is it's important for us to understand that we none of us has the corner on the gospel. None of us is good enough to the place where God has only decided to save us and our people group and only be in the midst of our experience. And what we're seeing here and we're learning more and more as time goes on is that there is more on the fob than we know. So, so I want you to understand this because the thing is that although, so the disciples didn't really get it, you know, even though Jesus said these things to them and told them they would be witnesses everywhere, they still heard Jew. And when you hear about gospel, when you hear about what it is, and when you hear about church, what is it that you're thinking of? What do you think of? Do you just think of people like you? When you think of church, when you think of gospel, are you just thinking about your experience? When you think about witnessing, when you think about sharing the gospel with people, do you just think about sharing the gospel uh, with people who look like you? Even as it pertains to our church at Serve City, do you only invite people to Serve City that look like you? Come on, somebody. Even as we are building this church, and granted, I understand that there may be challenges, but we have to get to the place where we understand that God's desire for us and for his church is bigger than just one people group. Remember, we're getting to Revelation 7, 9, and 10, where people of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and language are ending up before the throne of God in worship. And so let me just tell you this to just sum this up before we go on. The fact of the matter is uh, that as this disciples of Christ we often hear the details but miss the revelation let me say it again here you go uh ficky ficky here you go uh, uh as disciples of Christ we often hear the details but miss the revelation 
I mean, they heard that Jesus said, go into all the world and teach the gospel to everybody. But what they were hearing, they heard the details, but they missed what the revelation was. They were accustomed to only interacting with people like themselves. And so when they heard it, they heard it and put it in their context. And we have a habit. We have a habit uh, as individuals of oftentimes when we hear certain things, we usually contextualize them to where we are at the time. I'll never forget when I was in the States and God, uh, we were at a church at the time. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I, and, and God had declared to us that we would be in that city where we were for seven years. And then after that, that we were going to come back to Toronto and we were going to plant a church which is exactly what we ended up doing but because of where we were at the time we conceptualized it or we put it or contextualized rather that word to where we are and we said oh God is going to use us to go and plant a campus of the church that we were at at that time here in Toronto that's not what God was saying but we oftentimes contextualize the words that we receive and the things that we read and that we hear to where we are at the time. So when we hear certain things, we'll usually hear, okay, so it's black people. Or when we hear this, we hear, okay, so it's white people. Or we assume, we say, I'm not going to talk to that person because of, insert stereotype here. Whether on both sides, I'm not going to do this because, insert stereotype. And so that's who we hear the details, but we, and this is why it's powerful in Acts chapter 10. I want to make sure that you read that. Go and read it in your personal time. When Peter's like, God, you want me? You want me to interact with things that were considered unclean? And no, the fact of the matter is so, so as disciples of Christ, we often hear the details, but we miss the revelation. And so, so, so even though they heard it, they missed it. They heard it. Uh, in fact, somebody in the chat put, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I hope that you're still with me uh, because I want you to understand this. I want you to get this because Jesus, this is why Jesus walked through. He walked with the disciples for three and a half years before leaving. And he said a whole bunch of stuff to them. He talked to them. He declared things to them. He, 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 he told them parables, for example, like the Good Samaritan. Have you ever heard that? In fact, in the chat, if you've ever heard the Good Samaritan, go ahead, give me a hands up emoji, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, I want you to understand this. This is a powerful story because Jesus tells a story, the Good Samaritan. This is where the phrase someone being a Good Samaritan was even coined from. Because he tells a story where a Samaritan, now I'm getting ready to uh, jump into a passage here uh, after I share this with you. But I, so you can understand the, the magnitude of what Jesus did and the demonstration that he showed. Because Jesus didn't just tell him to do stuff that he wasn't doing. He tells a story of a good Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were hated by Jews. Jews and Samaritans hate each other. And Jesus is a Jew. And in this story, which is insane, uh, the, the person that we, uh, that we suspect in this story that is a Jew falls, uh, is, it gets beat up by some robbers, is left for dead on the side of the road. And the people who are like him left him for dead. And guess who comes and helps the, guy, the Jewish guy that's at the side of the road? He's telling this to a Jewish audience, mind you. Jews hate Samaritans. And he says, a good Samaritan. What do you mean a good Samaritan? A Samaritan can't be good. Come on, somebody. Jesus tells a Jewish audience. Are you with me? He paints a picture to a Jewish audience that someone that they don't like was the hero in the story. 
oh my can I just tell you uh, there are a lot of us that don't realize uh, that the people that you have counted out come on somebody the cultures and the ethnicities and the backgrounds that you have counted out or you say that God can't use them Jesus shows them even in that story that we now have a phrase that we use for someone that is helpful he uses someone who is mocked someone who is uh, reviled someone who is disregarded someone who is hated by someone else to serve the person that hates them oh my i just want you to grab this so so jesus jesus he taught it disciples just missed the revelation i hope that god will open the understanding of your of your spirit today that you will grab what it is that i'm saying not only this one of my favorite ways that jesus taught this because again many times we as disciples we hear the details but we miss the revelation look at what jesus does as a jewish man and as a jewish teacher in john chapter 4 what book did i say john chapter 4 and I love this story. It's a familiar story to those who grew up within the context of Christianity. Uh, I, I just think it's amazing. And there's so many powerful nuggets that are here in uh, this scripture. But I just, wanna, just want you to grab this so you can see the actions of Christ. It's not that Christ didn't teach it. It's that we just missed it. And so here it is, John chapter 4. Bible says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again, watch this, for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. The Bible says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sachar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So there's historicity here. There's genealogy that is present here. Oh my, this is, this, is, this, is, this is incredible what is taking place in this moment. I want you to grab this. And the Bible makes it clear and says, uh, it says, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus was wearied as he was from his journey. And I love this uh, because we see, you know, we believe as Christians that Jesus is not just fully God, but he's also fully man. It's known as the hypostatic union. This idea that there are two realities that are both present in Jesus. He was God enough, God enough to forgive our sins, man enough to die for our sins. Come on, somebody. He's God enough to heal us and he was man enough to die. And he's God enough, watch this, to rise from death with all power. And so here we find in his humanity, because some people, especially if you're from Islam and you're watching this, you might be in a position where you're like, well, you know, look, how, if Jesus is God, how is he in this? No, he is fully God and he is fully man. And one did not counsel out the other. And we see this is powerful uh, because he goes on and it says he's wearied from his journey in his flesh, right? And, and sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth hour. Verse 7, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus says to her, Jesus says to her, watch what he says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away for the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman says to him, rightfully so, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? So think, in case you thought I was making up the stuff about Jews and Samaritans, no, the Jews said that Samaritans are a mixed breed. That they're mixed race because they're Jew slash Gentile. And this is why they considered them as illegitimate. And he says, for Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. 
And so this is powerful. Uh, and then Jesus goes on. This is where we usually skip to. If you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. We usually just skip to that part. But because that's the spiritual part and because that sounds cool. But I want you to note that before we, Jesus says any of that to her, he goes up to a Samaritan woman and says in the natural give me something to drink he engages someone that jewish people did not interact with regularly in fact they hated them they did they they they, they absolutely disdain they would rather eat and if you understand this they would rather eat a piece of pig than take a piece of bread from a samaritan just so you understand how much, because you know Jews don't eat swine. This is what they regarded. And the Savior goes up to her. And before he tells her anything spiritual, he says to her, give me something to drink. Oh, this is such a magnanimous thing. This is such a barrier-breaking thing. This is something that Jesus is consistently doing to declare and to show that salvation and that even interaction was not that the, the, the lines and the barriers and the things that man had put up to be able to hinder interaction that Jesus is saying, I'm not adhering or even being controlled by these things. And I'm trying to show you that I came to be able to tear those things down. And so he starts by saying, give me something to drink. I think this is very powerful that he would say this unto her. And then he moves on. I just love it. I love it. Give me something to drink. Oh my, this is powerful. He shows us that even in terms of spiritual things, before we talk about spiritual stuff, there are some of you that need to go follow Christ's pattern and go across racial lines uh, to be able to be able to be able to connect with people even on a natural level. So before we even talk about spiritual stuff, you can connect with them on a natural level. And this opened the door. This opened the door for him to be able to share about his mission and for him coming on earth. Do you know that oftentimes we're just thinking on a spiritual level that when we engage people naturally, that it opens opportunity for God to be able to move spiritually. Here it is. I'm moving on. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so based on her response, Jesus is able to share this. And then the woman says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Watch this. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And he says, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and, the, and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And watch, Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Uh, he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Come on. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. And then here's the woman inviting him. He says, and the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Oh, this is so powerful. As a result of Jesus going across the line 
wine and engaging this woman uh, and humbling himself, asking, he's saying, hey, can you serve? Can you give me something to drink? Understanding the background at, between Jews and Samaritans in this moment, it opens up an opportunity for him then further to demonstrate about the fact that salvation and the salvific spirit experience is 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 um, is about more is 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 available to everyone even the people that they dis that they dislike the jewish people that the people that he was coming on the behalf of disliked and i love it because then she invites him in there's a salvific thing that happens as a result of jesus going across this boundary and i love this i love this because then jesus says to her and i love how he does this the bible says in verse 16 go call your husband and come here and the woman answered him he says she says i have no husband and jesus said to her you are right in saying i have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband what you have said is true and so Jesus responds to her there's a moment now there's a moment where the prophetic is opened up so not only, not only in this moment do we find and do we see that Jesus asking a natural question and engaging her naturally, stepping across this line. Not only does this open the door for him to break down these, these lines, these prejudicial lines, these lines that had been put in that were generations long. But Jesus then also has an opportunity to be able to share about this living water, to be able to tell her about the salvation that only comes through him but then now he moves on to what she's facing and what she's going on going through in her everyday experience going across when we realize that there is more on the fob the fact of the matter there is that ministry in this regard when we open ourselves to be able to go across across racial lines and to be able to engage one another and to be able to do as Christ has demonstrated what it does is it also positions for the miraculous and the supernatural to take place I'm telling you when it is this is why there is power in unity there is power in us going beyond our preferences and going beyond the things that generation there are many of you that hate certain in races because of what your family says about them you have never even had an encounter with someone who doesn't look like you you don't have relationships with people that don't look like you you have never gone out of your way to engage somebody that is different or has a different background and this is not just a black and white thing and many of us, we are missing an opportunity for the supernatural to take place. Because watch, she goes on and she says, I perceive that you are a prophet. And look at this, this is powerful, you know, and I want to stop here and put a pin because many of us, we read this story and we're like, look, mm-hmm, sketty betty. This woman is out here. She has all sorts. Jesus just puts her on blast. She's had five husbands. The man that she with. You don't even know why she don't have those husbands anymore. And we automatically jump to conclusions. Don't you think? Don't you? You know, like we're talking about the fob and how there's more to the fob than many of us understand. Or more to the gifts that the, that the Lord will pour out. But how many of you know, isn't this crazy? That oftentimes we, there's more to the story than you just read in the scripture. And you automatically jump to it. Oh, this is, a, this is just a, a, a hellion. This is a woman that's whoremongering. She out here and now, the, now she's shacking with the one. You don't know people's story. 
And Jesus revealing that to her was demonstrating that he had prophetic power on his life, but it was most definitely not to shame her. And I want to let you know this because this is powerful. You never see Jesus when he is ministering to people, blasting them in front of everybody. Can I just say, can I, I know this don't have to do with what I'm talking about, but I just want you to see this and note this. The fact of the matter is that oftentimes, even as preachers, we think that we, that this platform is an opportunity for us to talk about people and to, and the fact of the matter is we find even in John chapter 8 when Jesus bucks up on a woman that is caught in adultery and according to the law and the Jewish law, she was to be stoned and we find that they are there with those stones ready to stone her and Jesus goes down and he writes in the sand and says, whichever one of you is with out sin let him cast the first stone and all of the man them move and then he deals with the woman woman where are your accusers he doesn't blast her in public he doesn't and so jesus's per jesus's purpose for operating in this manner was not to shame her come on somebody but was to show her that god's eyes uh, were on her and her situation you don't know she could have had five husbands because they all died and left her by herself she could have been dealing with all sorts of pain and anguish and things in that moment and in that season that you and I have no clue about what was happening. But then look, if I, I got to go, I got to go. But I want you to note this because I want to tell you, you know, if this was not God's intent, the miraculous and the power of God would not have flowed in that moment. The, the prophetic power of God would not float in that moment. Salvation would not have flown in that moment. I'm telling you, you'll be surprised by what the Lord will do through relationships. So, oh my, as we work towards Revelation 7, 9, you would be surprised about what would be activated in your life when you actually begin to utilize everything that's on the fob. Oh, oh, man, it's co-workers that need to hear the word of the Lord. Oh, it's friends that need to hear the work of the, the word of the Lord. It's people in your life that need to experience. Come on, that person that you're riding home with, with your mask on. Come on, somebody in the bus. I know that there's distance from you and them, uh, but because they don't look like you, doesn't mean that God can't use you to reach them. Come on, somebody. God could reach uh, them through you and declare his word in a life-changing manner you and i have to understand that god's desire is for us to take this gift and use it to not just reach people that look like us but also people that don't look like us as well and it's powerful because she says i perceive that you are a prophet because words of knowledge often uh, words of knowledge often accompany prophecy and so watch this as we go on uh, the bible makes it clear after she says this and he says and he does what he does verse 19 sir i perceive you're a prophet our fathers worshiped in the mountain but you say that in jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship and jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, come on somebody, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What he's saying here is uh, both of us have our backgrounds both of us even where i'm standing right now there is a difference of significance between the jews and the samaritans 
But he says, none of this actually matters. He says, I showed up to show you that your genealogy and all of those things are incredible and it's grateful for it's great for you to have them but true worship come on somebody goes beyond come on it goes beyond white culture it goes beyond black culture can I just go there come on somebody it goes beyond all of these things and we hold them and we celebrate them and we thank God for our experience but they don't hinder us from kingdom culture which is where God says that we are supposed to go. It's not supposed to hinder us from being able to minister the gospel to everyone. This is what they were missing because they were more focused in many cases on the things that mattered to them than the things that mattered mostly to God. And so in this moment, we find that they oh, got awfully quiet there because I want you to understand this. There are many of us that idolize our culture over kingdom culture. There, there are many of us that idolize genealogy. Come on. We make idols out of genealogy. We make idols out of pedigree. We make idols out of DNA. We make idols out of garb. And we make idols out of all of these things. And all of those things are great. Come on, somebody. I, I love I love my culture. I love everything about my culture. But there is a culture that is greater than all of that. Come on, somebody. It is kingdom culture. And at the end of the day, all of us are going to be before the throne of grace and the throne of God in the end of it all and we got to get everything that we are and put it before his feet and there are many of us that practice idolatry in this area and the fact is he says that true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth so the thing that matters the most is not about where you've come from or the things or the practices and all of these things the things that ma- the thing that matters the most is our trust in our faith in Christ and and the fact that that we are getting this water that will never leave us thirsty again this is it this is it she says you know this well that you've been drinking from that you think is especially so significant even when you drink from this it's still gonna leave you thirsty but he says what i'm offering you is something greater than any of the stuff that your ancestors left you behind and this is why and i called you out of ancestral worship right now because there are many of you come on oh i just feel him there are many of you yes we're so grateful for our ancestors but you ain't supposed to be praying to them right now come on somebody you better put out that incense and stop burning that stuff and channeling your ancestor your ancestors god has not called you to be filled with your ancestors he has been called you he's called you to be filled with his spirit come on somebody and there are many of you you need to come out of ancestors ancestral idolatry because the fact of the matter is you are welcoming stuff into your life and into your body as a kingdom citizen that God has not called you to welcome in oh can I just go there Ah, listen, I am proud to be a black man. Come on, somebody. I am grateful that I get to be black and that I am, bl- and especially this month, I'm blackity, blackity, black, black, black. Come on, somebody. But I'm not channeling no inse- inse- ancestors. I'm not to the place where I am alive. Listen, I am my ancestors' wildest dream. But you better trust and believe that there's something I'm more proud of than any of that. And it is Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's the fact that I serve a God who came to to die not just for me and for my ancestors but he also came to die for south asians and asians come on somebody jesus loves red and yellow black and white they are all precious in his sight and the same red blood that he shed for everybody is the same red blood that i get to have access to come on somebody and that is greater 
I know you don't like this type of stuff. Uh, listen, yes, black power, but Jesus' power is greater. Come on, somebody. I want you to understand, yes, you can celebrate your European roots, but Jesus is greater. Come on. Can I just talk about it? I know uh, that you can, you can celebrate your South Asian and your Asian roots, but at the end of the day, there is something and someone who is greater. If we drink from those wells, if we continue to drink from those wells without also being to the place where we're fulfilled in Christ, we will always thirst again. Oh, who's with me on today? I know this ain't popular stuff, but I want you to see where I'm going with this because then look, look, look. After this, Bible says their fathers worship in the mountain, all this stuff. They have their, he says, those few worshipers are going to worship in spirit and truth. And for those who wonder if Jesus said he was the Messiah, but he's never said it before. Look at verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. So when somebody says to you, oh, Jesus never said he's the Messiah. Jesus never said he is God. I, I don't have time to teach on all of that right now. But notice he says that he is the Christ. He says that he is the Messiah. He says it plainly there. And then watch this, verse 27. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he saw him talking with a woman. So they see him talking with a Samaritan woman and they marvel but they still don't get it oh I want you to see it because there are many of you you're marveling you're marveling at it you know there are some of you uh, uh, that are looking at us and you're like man oh it's cool that stuff is happening here it's cool that things are happening but you still don't regard it or you respect it uh, as God actually doing something legit in our midst it's time for us in many regards to start marveling about what God is doing just looking and marveling but not investing come on somebody just looking and marveling but not actually taking it in not actually interacting not actually giving it a seat at the table not actually oh y'all don't marveling but look at this now and then the bible goes on and says he goes on and says uh, but no one said who do you seek or why are you talking with her so the woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people watch what she says this is how you know jesus didn't shame her she goes and says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Uh, because there's no condemnation in Christ. Uh, because when you interact with Jesus in the loving way that he does what he does, he can call you out. Come on, somebody. He can put all your stuff on blast. And you, it, 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 you read it as a testimony instead of an embarrassment. Oh my. And so look, he takes this thing. Oh, are y'all with me on this morning? She, she, she says, okay, you know what? All these things that matter to me that I used to idolize now that I have had an encounter with Christ, I'm going to leave my old water pot behind. Come on, somebody. I'm not just going to marvel at this thing, but I'm going to leave my old water pot behind. I don't need this thing anymore. This thing that I've been using to drink, I'm going to leave it behind. Come on, somebody. She got the revelation that now she says, instead of standing here and giving people to drink from this old water pot and drinking from this old water pot because I have interacted and encountered the living water I don't need this anymore to feed my family come on somebody I don't need this anymore to feed the animals in my path I don't need this anymore to sustain me because I'm gonna thirst again and she ends up going on and saying she dropped her water pot she leaves that thing behind and then the Bible goes on and says she goes she left 
left her water jar, went into town, and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Look, see, see, they're missing the point. They're still missing the point. Yeah, they marvel, but they're still missing the point. He is out here crossing racial lines. He is out here, hey, glory, out here doing miraculous things right there with a woman and a Samaritan woman, people that they did not regard, and they asking him about food. Listen, man, it is ridiculous that there are many of us that, you know, people that just miss it. Don't matter what's happening. They marvel, but they miss it. Come on, somebody. They marvel, but they miss it. Are you marveling but missing it? There are people that are marveling. There are people that are marveling about what God is doing here in the house, but they will not invest. And it's like, oh, I marvel. Oh, you, this happened, that happened. But you don't see this is an opportunity. There are many of you watching that God has said this is supposed to be your church home. And you're marveling. You might not even look like me. You might be in a position where you are, you're from someplace else. And you're like, you know what? You hear it and you're marveling what's happening, but you won't get invested. You're still asking about food. Some of you right now, you're thinking, oh, when this is done, where can I go and order food in? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Don't marvel and miss it. And then look. This is why. Then Jesus goes on and says to her, uh, he says, he, she, or she says rather, she goes, uh, went and do, uh, they, so, so, so come see a man, told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, disciples are asking him about food. Verse 33, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus says to them, because he says, I have food to eat that you know not of. He says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, then one then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white unto harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together for he was saying holds true one souls another reaps i sent you to reap that for that which you did not labor others have labored and you have entered into their labor many samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me all that i ever did she testifies that jesus put her on blast oh my and that she goes to her friends because Jesus, as a Jew, stepped across the line. Come on, somebody. And witnesses to her about this living water. She then is able to leave and go. And she evangelizes her town. And people come and begin to believe on Jesus. And then watch this verse 41, last one for our reading. And many more believe because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. So it no longer was about her testimony. Come on, somebody. But she first had to testify. She first had to say something about it. She first had to go beyond herself. Come on, somebody. Now that Jesus went across the line, she got the guts to be able to go and evangelize those who were in her circle. And the whole town ends up coming. Can I tell you something? Not only was Jesus, not only, not only was Jesus in the position where he was uh, showing and demonstrating going across racial lines, but he also was empowering. He also caused this woman to have a life-changing encounter with him. And consequently, we see here a woman evangelist. When many people thought, watch this, not just, oh, 
not just was it a racial thing come on somebody but it also was the empowerment not the, in it for of someone who was in a in a in a racial context that they didn't even regard as legitimate he empowers this woman and this woman who has this encounter says forget this water pot it's not just about me standing here serving people but i'm going to go and tell them about this savior oh can i just minister to a woman to a daughter of god who is watching and you have been suppressed by men for many 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 years and people that try to make you think that you cannot be used of god because of your gender especially being a black woman come on can i talk to you today not just black women but women in general i'm here to tell you this not only teaches us that god oftentimes and god the the the, the thing that god has called us to is to go across racial lines and go beyond ourselves but also even the genders and the people that you don't think god can use that god can use them too she evangelizes her whole town as a result of the encounter with Jesus and this is the same Jesus that in John chapter 14 verse 12 says greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father oh my somebody so the fact of the matter is that we have this example in Christ of what it means what it means what he meant in pouring out his spirit it was not just for one group or one people group but it was meant for everyone come on somebody it was meant for everyone and everyone meant everyone everyone did not just mean people that looked like them or shared their same cultural experience all around the world and then even the people that you think there are idol worshipers right now that need the gospel but you won't go across those lines and talk to them come on somebody there are people that eat different than you do all of this but can i give you this not only do we often miss the revelation but i want you to understand that oftentimes watch this the holy spirit gives us the power to push past our preference our prejudice and our pain the Holy Ghost gives us the power to push past our preference our prejudice and our pain and there are many of you the reason why it's difficult for you to go across those lines the reason why is because of the pain that you're experiencing oh trust me I've had some pain y'all even today, there's still some things that I experience that are painful. But I realize that even for me, there is more on the fob. God has a plan. If I am going to be used by God, you've heard, if, you, if this is your first time tuning in to this series, you can go and watch, especially the part one where my wife and I shared about our experiences and the various things that we faced growing up and racial things and racism and prejudice and still experience today but because of experiences like these because there are towns that are waiting and god oftentimes will use you even though you feel like you're not qualified or god has the opportunity to use someone that doesn't look like you and you're the one that has to communicate it to them He'll cause you to push past your prejudice. Don't live your life based on the things that were passed down from generations in the past. Just because they said that doesn't mean that that's going to be your experience. 
And if I could even make it clear, for some of you, you're the first person that's even saved, born again in your whole generation, in your whole bloodline. And so a lot of the perspectives of the people that came before you were not even godly. And God is calling you to go beyond. And God is calling you to leave your water pot behind. And God is calling you to go across lines. And so I end today with the gospel. I end today with letting you know not only is there more to the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit for those of us who are saved, but even for those of you who are not saved, even for those of you who are not believers, there is more to life than this. <laughs> there is more to life than this. And there are many of you, you have settled and you still going outside and you still scraping the stuff and you still working when you don't even have to work anymore. You've been fighting to try and find peace. You don't have to scrape for peace anymore. You don't have to scrape spraying windshield wiper on the windshield and driving down. You don't have to do that anymore. The good news is, here's good news. Over 2,000 years ago, God said, I see these people. They're jacked up. They're tore up from the floor up. Their first parents, Adam and Eve, screwed it all up. And after they screwed it up, sin and all of this passed on to the generations. This is why we don't have to teach our kids to sin. This is why we don't have to teach our kids to mess up. They come out knowing how to do all of this because it's hereditary. But over 2,000 years ago, God says, I'm not going to leave y'all stranded. I'm going to put on flesh just like you. Talk about being down to earth. <laughs> not only did he go across racial lines, he's like, man, y'all are out here allowing this stuff to jack you up. He's like, do you know what I, what it took for me to come down here right now? And he put on human flesh. And the Bible makes it clear that he lived with perfection because he knew that you and I couldn't be perfect. And not only did he live with perfection, but he took our punishment. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails, which was a whip that consisted of broken bone and shells. And he was whipped and he tore out chunks of his back and crown of 72 thorns pressed in his head. Blood streaming down, pierced him in his side and his heart sack, his heart sack burst and water and blood came pouring out. And not only did this, did this happen, but he died. He died, he died, he died. But bright and early, on the third day, glory to God, he got up. Somebody in the chat put, he got up, he got up. He got up with all power in his hand. And he extends the greatest love gift to you and I. Talking about gifts today. The love gift to you and I. To every color. To every background, every race, every person, tribe, tongue. Because he wants to bring us all back to himself. And all we have to do is put our trust in him, in the living water. Because all the things of this earth, if we keep drinking from them, we'll be left thirsty. And he says, drink from me. 
Give me your life. Put your faith in me. The Bible says, if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. And so today, for you who are watching today, I invite you from all around the world to put your trust and your faith in Jesus and you will never thirst again. You can have life eternal. There's a place called hell for people who denounce Christ and go through life and reject him. But you don't have to go there. You can begin a relationship with Jesus right now. And you can have everlasting life right now. You see people dying all over. But you can know that even if you were to die, that you would be with God forever through trust and faith in him. You can say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. And I give my life to you. And so in this moment, I'm getting ready to lead this prayer of commitment. I invite you to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you do not know him, and you're like, you know what, this is my time to make a decision to trust him. If that person is you, and you're like, this is my first time, and you're like, today is my day. I want you to put your trust and your faith in him. And if you might be someone who's like, I ran away from Christ. I ran away from him and I want him, I want to come back to him. You might have run away from him, but he has never run away from you. And so today, his arms are open wide, ready to receive you into fellowship. And so I'm getting ready to lead this prayer of commitment. And so right there where you are in your living room, in your car, wherever you're watching from, yeah, you, yeah, you. Yeah, you, Stacy. Yeah, you, John. You. This is for you. I want you. I called you. I called you in right now to, to, to receive this thing. In, on the count of three, if you're like, that's me. I want you to pop that hand up right where you are. And if you're brave enough, if you're courageous enough, I want you to put that hand up in the chat. If you're like, that's me. Today, I'm giving my life to Christ for the first time or I'm coming back to him. Here it is. One, two, three. Come on, pop that hand up right where you are. In your living room, go ahead. You can lift that hand where you are. And I want you to, you can even put that hand up in the emote in the chat so we can see that that person is you. And we can pray with you in this moment. And so look, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to mean it with all your part. Repeat it after me. It's not a prayer that saves. It's Jesus who saves. We put our trust in Christ. But this prayer is a line in the sand declaring today is my day. And so we just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power. Come into my heart and make me new and be with me now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if that person is you, go ahead, let's celebrate. Come on, in the chat, put some clapping hands emojis in the chat. Come on, come on, come on. Let's celebrate. We celebrate you and your decision. Come on, we glorify God today. Glory to God. You know what? Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul bread of heaven feed me till i want no more fill my cup <laughs> fill it up and make me whole